0: ladies, and welcome to the Amazing Bible. Club. I'm Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we are looking at the book of Nehemiah. We learned yesterday that the main words to sum up Nehemiah are the walls of Jerusalem. Chapter 1 starts with Nehemiah's brother coming to him from Jerusalem and he told him that the city was a mess because there still was not a wall to protect them. This caused Nehemiah to pray fast and weep before the Lord of heaven. Nehemiah asked the Lord's favor in allowing him to go to Jerusalem and helped with the problem that was there. But he was the king of Persia's cupbearer. Nehemiah prayed for about four months, and then the king asked Nehemiah why he seemed so sad, because the king had never seen Nehemiah sad before. In verse 2, it says that Nehemiah became afraid, but he took courage and asked the king for his request. What I love about this verse is it shows that this man of action and this man of faith still was afraid, but he didn't let his fear stop him. He shared with the king that the reason he is sad is because the city where his father's sepulchers lie, they are in ruin and the gates were consumed with fire. The king asks, so what are you asking me? And then I love, 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 verse 4. So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, this isn't some long drawn out prayer. This was a, oh, help me God prayer. And I pray those prayers all the time. By the way, in the New Testament, Paul the Apostle says in 1 Thessalonians five seventeen that we are to pray without ceasing. That is, as we are going about our day, as we are walking in the Spirit, we are to be talking with the Lord. Here, Nehemiah is doing that very thing. He asked to be allowed to go to Jerusalem to build it. The king asked, how long will you be gone and when will you return? Nehemiah set a time and it pleased the king to send him. Now, one of the things that I learned from Dr. Betts Old Testament class was that in Ezra 4, when the enemies had come against Zerubbabel, they wrote a letter to the king of Persia. And the king said, stop the rebuilding until another commandment shall be given to you. According to Dr. Betts, Nehemiah was smart to mention that it was his father's home that needed repair because Persian kings were very concerned about ancestry lines and of their forefathers, and it's such a big deal that they set up great monuments to guard their tombs. Well, thankfully, the king of Persia gave another commandment. And I also think that it was because of Nehemiah's faithfulness to the king of Persia and that relationship that he also agreed. Nehemiah had enough sense to ask for letters from the king to be given so that he could give them to the governors that had stopped the building beforehand. The king also allowed timber to make beams for the rebuilding. He sent captains and armies and horsemen. So when Nehemiah showed up and crossed the great river Euphrates as the governor of the land of Judah, this did not please Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the servant, and Ammonite, and Gershom the Arabian. When Nehemiah got there, he had plans. He was there three days and at night he went and inspected the walls and the gates of Jerusalem. After he got a good inventory, he informed the Jewish leaders that he came to help get the wall of Jerusalem built so they would no longer be a reproach. When the enemies heard it, they laughed in scorn and despised them. Then Elishab, the high priest, got on board and began building the sheep gate and the other people followed suit. Various people groups took various sections of the wall. And in verse 12 of chapter 3, we see even some daughters helped in the rebuilding. Woohoo! Now, after the building of the wall was underway, Sanballat became angry. Then in verse 4 through 6 of chapter 4, Nehemiah prays to our God and asks God to get their enemies. We call that a prayer of retribution. The Jews kept building. They joined the wall completely around the city. But at this stage, it was only halfway built up. It says in verse 6 that the people had a mind to work. Then Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabians, the Ammonites, they saw their progress and they set out to fight Jerusalem. Now, not only did Nehemiah pray, but we, all the people, prayed with Nehemiah unto the Lord But the effects of the enemies began to weigh on Judah. Their strength was decaying. They saw the rubbish. They believed they were not able to build it. They had lost hope. Dr. Betts said, Work of the Lord's people is often met with opposition. When we do the Lord's work, we can't expect opposition one way or another. So Nehemiah said, Do not be afraid, but remember the Lord. Then he planned that half of the people would work while the other half would hold spears and be ready for battle. He also brought more people into Jerusalem for protection and for workers. Then there was a problem within Judah. The rich Jews had loaned to the poor Jews almost to the point of slavery because of the interest in their payments on the loans. This angered Nehemiah. And verse 7 of chapter 5 says, Then I consulted with myself. I love that. Nehemiah talks to himself too. I heard one time on a radio talk show that if you talk to yourself, it means that you're an auditory learner and not crazy. In other words, it helps you to hear it out loud in order to process all the information. Well, Nehemiah then told the people to stop the interest. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 25, verse 36, the law states they are not to charge interest to their fellow Jews because they are to fear the Lord their God. Then Nehemiah said that they were also to restore the land, the vineyards, the olive yards, the houses, plus pay back a portion of that interest money, plus corn, plus wine and oil that had been taken. This is a small form of the year of Jubilee, which is also found in chapter 25 of Leviticus. And that was where a debt was only to be for seven years. And then it was to be forgiven. It was to be erased. The priest agreed to this and Nehemiah used an object lesson in verse 13 of chapter 5. He shook his lap and said, So is everyone who does not keep his promise. They shall be shaken out and emptied. And the people said, Amen and praise the Lord. By the way, the word Amen means so be it. Well, the wall was making good progress But the doors of the gates were not yet up. Chapter 6. The enemies tried to get Nehemiah to come down, but he would not leave his post. The enemies even hired prophets and prophetesses to persuade Nehemiah into fear and sin, but it did not work. Verse 15 of chapter 6 says The wall was finished in the month of Elul. And when the enemies heard about it, they were cast down and perceived that this work was brought about by God. Nehemiah then appointed rulers, Levites, singers over Jerusalem. He also realized that the city was big, but there were a few inhabitants. So he set up a registry of the Jewish people. As in Ezra, some of the people are listed by ancestry, and some by residents of town, like Bethlehem, and some by positions that they held, with the Levites or the singing men and singing women. Woohoo! The people are gathered together and Ezra the scribe brought the book of the law and Ezra the priest, which is the same person, spoke the law so that they could hear and understand. Ezra stood upon a pulpit of wood. According to Google, this is the only time the word pulpit is used. And in verse 4 of chapter 8, it says that they made this pulpit for this very purpose. And men of God stood on both sides of Ezra and the pulpit before all of the people. Ezra opened the book inside of all the people. And when he did, all the people stood up. Why? In reverence and honor to this special book. It is the same reason we do it for the bride at weddings. One thing I have found in churches more recently is people stand when singing. And being a voice major in college, I realize we sing much better when we stand up and we have great breath support. But then the congregation sits when the book is read. That bothers my spirit. I keep trying to figure out if it's just my tradition and that that's why it bothers me so much. My husband, who's been a pastor for 30 years, almost every week I heard, as you are able, please stand for the reading and hearing of God's holy word. We should have reverence for the word of God. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and the people said, Amen, Amen, so be it, so be it. They lifted up their hands. They bowed their heads. And then the leadership said, today is a day of rejoicing. It's a holy day. Then they celebrated the Feast of Booths, which was a celebration of the time of wandering in the desert, and how God provided for them from the first day of the celebration to the last. Ezra read the book of the law of God, and they kept the feast for seven days, and on the eighth day they celebrated a solemn assembly. They confessed their sins before God, and then the leaders prayed, and in their prayer, it reminded the people who their God was and what he had done. Their God made heaven and earth and all the hosts that are in them. God chose Abram and brought him out of the land and changed his name to Abraham. God found his heart faithful and made a covenant with him to give him the land. God showed signs to Pharaoh and his servants and all the people of Egypt. God divided the sea. God led the people with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night in order to give them light in the way in which they should go. God gave them laws and judgments, statutes, commands. God gave them his holy Sabbath. God gave them bread from heaven and water from a rock. But... Our fathers were stiff-necked and they refused to obey. But again, God is merciful and is ready to pardon. He is gracious. He's slow to anger. And because of his great kindness, God did not forsake them. Even though they sinned, God still led them by day and night. God still gave them food and water. For 40 years, God sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out. Their feet did not swell. Then... God let them take the land and the children of Israel. And they multiplied as the stars in heaven. Which is what God told Abraham in his covenant way back in Genesis 15. The people took the land. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled. They killed God's prophets. Therefore, God delivered them over to their enemies. But... When they cried out to him, he heard from heaven. According to his manifold mercies, God gave saviors who saved them out of the enemy's hands. Again, the people did evil. So this time the enemy had dominion over the people. Yet! When they turned and cried unto God, he heard from heaven and delivered many times. Yet they sinned again. And this time God took them into the hands of the enemy and to their lands. Nevertheless, verse 31, because of God's great mercy, God did not utterly consume them, nor forsake them, for God is gracious and merciful. Now, therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, and the terrible God, who keeps his covenant and mercy, you are just in all that you have brought upon us. You did right, and we have done wickedly behold we are servants this day of this another country and we are in great distress and because of this we will make a sure covenant a sure covenant and write it down and our leaders will too they sanctified themselves. They set themselves apart. They agreed to observe and to do all the commandments of the Lord and to keep the ordinances and to keep the festivals and the offerings and not forsake the house of our God. Then the rulers realized that Jerusalem's population was pretty small. So they cast lots of all the different people and one tenth of the population of the surrounding areas moved into Jerusalem and the rest of the people lived in various cities nearby. We then see a list of priests and Levites which shows their importance. And then all of the people celebrated the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem. And the levites and all the musicians played their parts and gave thanks and gave sacrifices with great joy. And part of these sacrifices not only went to the priests that performed the sacrifices but also to the singers. Woohoo! And this started when David was king. As they were reading the book of Moses, they found that the Ammonites and Moabites were not to come into the congregation because they hired Balaam the prophet to curse Israel, but God turned the curse into a blessing. And the story of Balaam is found in Numbers chapters 22 through 24. When the people heard the law, they separated themselves from all of the mixed multitude. We see in chapter 13, verse 6, that Nehemiah had to go back to Artaxerxes. When Nehemiah returned, he saw that one of the priests, Eliashib, who was in charge of the chamber of the house of God, made an alliance with Tobiah, one of the enemies. And he was living in the chamber in the temple. And he was not a Jew. So Nehemiah kicked him out and threw him out and all of his household stuff. That's chapter 13, verse 8. Then he realized that the priests and the musicians were not being taken care of like the people had promised because people were not giving offerings like the people had promised. So many Levites and singers had left Jerusalem because they needed to eat. So Nehemiah confronted the rulers and the tithe was reestablished again. Then he appointed faithful men to distribute the money correctly. Nehemiah asked God to remember him. He also saw people working on the Sabbath and they were trading goods in Jerusalem. So again, Nehemiah met with the officials and asked them, why do you profane the Sabbath day? So Nehemiah closed the gates on the Sabbath so no traders could come in. So then the traders stayed outside the gate. And Nehemiah came outside and said, don't you come out here on the Sabbath again. And if you do, I'll lay my hands on you. Well, that stopped them lastly a grandson of the high priest and that means he was also a priest married the daughter of Sanballat the Horonite the enemy and Nehemiah chased that priest out of town Nehemiah prayed again this time for mercy of the priesthood because it also had become defiled so the temple has already been defiled the priesthood has now been defiled And the book of Nehemiah ends with a popcorn prayer. Remember me, oh my God, for good. Nehemiah kept telling the people, isn't this the sin that got our people into trouble? Stop it. While he was there, they did well. He was gone for a little bit and it all went to pieces. And the problem is, ladies, our sin nature. We all have it. Through the first sin back in Genesis chapter 3, it has come through the seed of Adam to all people. We keep messing up. But what I have loved about reading the Old Testament is that I see God's mercy and grace over and over and over again. When the Levites retold their story to the people, they shared that during the wanderings in the wilderness, God gave light in the way that they should go. In John, the New Testament Gospel book, chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. How are you walking today? Do you need a light in the darkness? Turn to Jesus. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And then he's there with open arms, ready to receive us. Nehemiah's last words remember me made me think of the thief hanging on the cross that thief turned to Jesus and said remember me when you come into your kingdom I don't know if you've thought about this but why the change of heart of this thief this man didn't see any of Jesus's miracles that we know of all he has seen is how Jesus is dying he sees a difference He even rebukes his cohort in crime and says, We deserve to hang here. Stop mocking him. He doesn't deserve this. He has done nothing wrong. Don't you fear God? Jesus answers him, Verily I say unto you, Today you will be with me in paradise. And ladies, if you are a Christian, and if you are following in the light, Keep in mind, this story has enemies who keep trying to ruin the Jews and their mission. The same can be said of Christians and their lives. In the story of their ancestry, Balaam again is brought up, and I never realized until reading through the Old Testament this time around, how many times he comes up as a bad example. And the Levite said, Balaam, the prophet, cursed Israel, but God, woohoo, but God turned the curse into a blessing. Chapter 13, verse 2 in Nehemiah. Ladies, I'm on the older side of life now. This is one of those things that amazes me about God, how he can turn a curse, a wicked thing, a tragedy, and how he can turn it around and make something beautiful of it. Second Corinthians five twenty one 21 says, Jesus became sin who knew no sin. Jesus took on our curse so that we might become the righteousness of God. In Jesus, we are becoming more like Christ himself. There is a purpose for the pain. It makes us more like Christ. One of the pluses of being with God, the God of Israel, is that we're never alone. They were never alone in their wanderings, and neither are we. So today, ladies, if you hear his voice, realize what a gift that is. Realize that it's his kindness to you that you hear it. And if you don't hear it, cry out to God and tell him you want to hear his voice. And if you do hear it, don't harden your hearts. Let's be women who turn to him and obey. Until next time, and thanks so much for listening.